0: All right, we're recording. Welcome to Creative Hood. I'm your host, Melanie, and today we're joined by my friend, Anjali. Hi. How are you? Oh, good. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited (laughs) you're here. (laughs) I'm at Showtime's Desis in Marrow, and I'm associate producing over there. So it's fun. <laughs> i have seen seafood forever. I know. You're so, actually here. Podcast is bringing us together. <laughs> it doesn't bring everyone together. You remember that one podcast we did a yeah, few years ago? In a giant room and there was like 15 people and so everyone was like, It's like garbled and then all of a sudden you'd hear like one person and then nothing. And And it was four hours. Four hours long, yeah. Unedited. We were watching a movie, commenting on it, and then we went into all of life's discussions afterward late into the night. It was Friday. The movie Friday. It was also a Friday when we recorded it. pretty meta when we do podcasts. It was really meta. It was... What an idea. Oh, man. Oh, man. It so was too much. That was back at an advertising agency. We did that with all our friends. Now, where are you at? Now, I'm at Showtime's Desis in Mero, and I'm associate producing over there. So, it's fun. Very cool. What does that mean? What do you do? That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, producers, like, loosely thrown around. But mine is very specifically on rights and clearances, which is essentially... Anything that makes it onto the screen needs to be vetted through lawyers. And so I'm this, our lawyers don't like sit in our office. They work on other things and they live in other places. <laughs> so I'm just kind of the intermediary. I make sure that they get everything. And then uh, I take all that information and disseminate it back. But then I'm also kind of this mediary between um, the production. So Desis and Mero in this case um our lawyers who work for our production company which is jacks and then showtime in and of themselves so i'm kind of this person who sits in the middle it's like okay okay cool and then just like gets that information to everybody i'm kind of like a little carrier pigeon <laughs> <laughs> my stomach just <laughs> sorry it's okay <laughs> my whole body's very interested <laughs> in what you do <laughs> you really leaned in there <laughs> So on the day-to-day, what does that mean you're doing? Um, oof. Day-to-day. Okay. <laughs> we'll pick a not-show day first. On a not-show day, uh, we're preparing for a show day. So our writing team will go into, have their writers meeting and go through a bunch of stories because everyone's pitching. We have a Slack channel mm-hmm. and we have a Topic Bucket channel and people just throw stories in there. And If anyone's seen Desa Samara, watched it on Vice or hopefully the Showtime version. They talk about everything. Um, And so it's just stories come from everywhere. And so they kind of go through them all. They pick the ones they like. And then I'll start sending them to our lawyers because a lot of them involve like third-party footage or they're international or whatever. So we just need to make sure it's okay. Um, But I also work with every single department at the production. So I'm working with wardrobe. I'm working with graphics. I'm working with the field department and everybody. So... Um, we usually have field stuff coming in. Field is anything that's outside of the studio. If Someone doesn't know that. But uh, yeah, so anything we film outside the studio. So getting their creative list uh, or creative script or outline, um, looking over props, looking over location agreements. Uh, if they've already filmed something and they've used like passersby, like making sure we have all their paperwork. It's like a lot of paperwork. Mm-hmm. But then also like making sure that um let's see like cuts of stuff like pre-filmed things or getting to showtime or getting to our lawyers um and then on a show day oh it's crazy like you you show up and then sometimes they rewrite the show at the beginning of the day or like add more stories stuff so to make sure that's good and then I actually watch the taping and then I make sure a bunch of people watching the taping between our lawyers and Showtime people that need to see it. Um, And our tapings are like two hours long. And then we have to make a 30 minute show. So you got to take all that stuff down and they don't, Deezus and don't really, we have a script, but it's more like um, introducing the story and then we show them the clip and then they're commenting in real time. So we don't tell them really what to say. So our lawyers really have to pay attention and I really have to pay attention to what they're saying. Cause sometimes we just don't know. We don't know what they're going to say. We need that commentary. Um, and then we take the show and we edit it. It takes about five hours to edit the show and I'm in and out of every single edit, um, all day, watching everything down, making sure that the clips are the length they're supposed to be. We cut out things that shouldn't be there or we've put things in that should be there. Um, and then we feed the show and then I finally get to go home. <laughs> so it's kind of a it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's a weird job, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It sounds like from your standpoint, you're able to be a part of the whole process. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though people would think like, oh, legal and paperwork, you're not like on set or... Doing different things. It sounds like you are. Yeah, it sounds like uh it sounds like. <laughs> it, the reality is, yeah, you're everywhere. Like you sound like it, it sounds boring, like it's a paperworky job. And there is paperwork, but um you, I'm one person who's got their, I hate this term, but fingers in a lot of pies. uh Yeah, it's a gross <laughs> term. But I'm like everywhere because yeah. I have to be. So I'm one person making sure that everything's going right. So I'm going to tapings and making sure our like celebrity stuff, like that stuff is all taken care of. And like, so it is It is really cool. And watching all of the cuts of things. And while I don't necessarily get to sit there and have like the most creative say in whatever, um, I ultimately get to be a part of all of those meetings because I'm like, the people I'm representing, their voice matters, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it actually is like a pretty cool job and it's a good stepping stone job to becoming like when I am ready to become like a full-fledged producer, the segment producer, executive producer, a showrunner, I kind of have the experience of like, this is what it takes to make a show at this point. Cause you're doing all kinds of things, like mm-hmm. budgeting and like getting the script and, and negotiating with a lot of different people and already having relationships with the different departments. So. It's kind, of, it's kind of a weird, interesting job, but... It's cool. And it sounds perfect for you, this whole world of TV. And before you were in the world of TV, you were in my world of advertising. Oh, yes. We so met at the talk. agency formerly known as YNR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Familiar? Familiar <known. laughs> I don't know how it's pronounced now. Oh, no. VML YNR. Oh. It's just a lot of letters. Okay. Yeah. So they combine VML with YNR to be Veilma. Someone White said eye. it was familiar and I was like, <laughs> it's mm. just, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. my Weiner is better. Yeah. So that was in an ad agency. So can you talk about what you did there? Because that was totally different than what you're doing now. And then just kind of how you made that transition. Oof. Okay. Um. Let's see. Well, I was supposed to be an intern. I was supposed to do this thing called the Z Academy, which is like a YNR has this long-term internship, anywhere from three months to a year, and you can be put in any of their offices globally. And so I'd applied to like London and Singapore, and they called me and they're like, "You want to come to New York?" And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> um, but when I got there, they just turned it into a job, and I was working in a, par- a department that's not there anymore, which was Global New Business. And so I was supposed to like help get new business for YNR on a global level. But the way that advertising works now, that really isn't how companies do their business. They don't really have one agency that does everything worldwide. They kind of split it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then everyone left, everyone (laughs) (laughs) quit. So I was my own boss for like two months. And then, you know, they were going to absorb me into the new YNR North America new business team. So I was like, okay, that's a, I could do that, but I, kind of want to see if I can go somewhere else and maybe have my own autonomy. So I joined this team called Brand Asset Valuator, or B-A-B. BAV. B-A-B, uh, which is like a data analytics firm, and it's the largest, let's see if I remember how this is worded, the largest database of brand perceptions in the world, and oldest. It's like over, it's like 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, this is one of those technology pieces that like YNR would always boast like, we have BAV and this could help your company see how the world views your brand.
1: brand yeah.
0: And compare it to other brands and, and it's viewed and not just like, oh this brand is good but even this brand is fun or this brand is and it has like all these anyway we won't get into that but (laughs) i worked there and i took this job that somebody had made up right before me and she'd only done it i think for like a year um which was like supposed to be a mix i don't know i think like social media manager or something i'm not entirely sure and i took this job and i was in over my head like Just completely in over my head. I, for two, for a year and a half, essentially, I was just like, (laughs) what am I doing? And I felt so bad because I was like, I'm not doing a good job for my teammates. And I'm also, it's like, I'm not doing a good job for myself either. Because I was just like, part of it is I was young. I was like 22. So I like, I didn't know what I was doing. And then like that team and YNR as a whole were going through a lot of changes at the time. You know, they were, um, combining with the consulting group and getting used way more in new business. And so the resources were getting stretched in different ways. And so I just didn't know what to do. And then by the time I'd hit maybe the last like eight months of working there, six to eight months, I started just saying like, okay, I'm really good at organizing things and I'm good at uh, like communicating with the teammates and setting things up. So I started just taking on like, managing the interns and getting I don't know like setting things up for our boss Michael like making sure he had some stuff and like fixing all the powerpoints because they were all from like powerpoint from 2002 (laughs) and they looked like crap cutting edge is yeah cutting edge (laughs) for early 2000s and then now powerpoint is like way nicer and so all of the slides are like square <laughs> so they would like put them in PowerPoints and it just like looked bad and I was like, okay, maybe we should get them all in like a rectangle. Um, so I did a lot of that and then ended up, I literally quit YNR to the day that I'd started. So it was two years on the dot by the time I'd left, which was weird timing on my part, but I'm kind of proud of it. I was like, wow, look at me. Um you like to keep your experience timely <laughs> to a to a <laughs> to, t- to a dot. Yeah, <laughs> I was there for two years, not a day more, not a day more, not a day less. I left. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I left and started working at a show that doesn't exist anymore called The Rundown with Robin Thede. Right after that, so we were all so proud of you. Oh, thanks. You'd done it. You were living your dream. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. And now you are. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Is it like a freelance sort of environment to where like you bounce from show to show or like you stick with a show? Um, It's, I would say like permalancing because I've been on three shows now, but I wasn't working on multiple shows at the same time. It's just that the two shows I worked on before got canceled. Mm -hmm. If they weren't canceled, I probably would still be there. Um, So now I'm on Desis and Mero and... Hopefully, it, <laughs> it lasts forever. It lasts forever because longevity. I mean, it's hard when you like having a job is important because you need money and benefits mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. So, when you don't have a job, that sucks. So, um, some people do freelance way more, especially like editors and um, like graphics people. Um, they can kind of freelance a little bit more, but it's it's a little bit harder when you're in my position. It's a little bit harder to try to freelance. Um, but it is possible. so So before you entered the workforce, what did you study? What did you think you wanted to do? Um, what influences did you have in your life? Um, before I entered the workforce, I was a child. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I've always been like a TV kid. Like I was very indoorsy, <laughs> and I would like, I remember one time I was like in my garage and I'd found this like old TV, like tiny, tiny, like crappy. I think you're supposed to use it in emergency because it barely (laughs) worked. It was like kind of in color, but really not. It had like half a channel, but I was like, this is the best thing ever. And so I like snuck it into my room and I used to sleep with my door open, which would bother my parents. Cause like you go to sleep at eight and they're like, well, you go to sleep at 10. Are you know, watching TV doing whatever, yeah. And so, finally, like that night, I like, went to my parents and I was like, I'm sleeping with the door closed, and I, like, <laughs> it was like a huge deal. And I like closed the door, but I put like went under a blanket and was watching TV. And it was, I think it was like Jay Leno or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I would do, and that's and I would like watch TV every night until that died, which boy, did it die. <laughs> but then when I got older, I would go to the library and get like best of Chris Farley, SNL, best of Gilda Radner, like best of whoever, and I would watch those. Or I would watch like, like whole series of The Office and then watch it again with the commentary on every episode. Like I was that kid. But I also didn't know anyone who worked in TV. I didn't know how you did that. I also didn't know, like, what do you think of when you think of TV jobs, right? When you're a kid, you actor, maybe director, maybe a writer. And even then you probably couldn't name any writers. And the only directors you could name would be like, what? Even now, wait, Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> maybe maybe like Christopher Nolan when I got a little bit older. But first of all, they're all white men, right? So I didn't, there's nobody, yeah. I didn't know. And I grew up in like a small little suburb in Utah. Like, I was like, I don't know anyone who works in TV. Um, so I just didn't think that it was a possibility. And I even like, totally forgot for my parents, I owe them $2,000, like <laughs> got like scammed into taking these like Barbizon classes. Do you know what that oh, is? No. It's this like modeling thing, oh. but they go to malls and like junior highs and like try to get girls to take these classes. And they'll be like, when you come out, you'll have a modeling portfolio. No. I'm so sorry <laughs> if anyone listening to this, it's like a Barbizon diehard, but it like, that's not what happened and it was weird, like a weird like finishing school. It was so bizarre. You were never a model? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I would have thought for sure. No, you can not <laughs> tell by my face and height. It was no, too short. This. Just from your height. But not knife. Um I'm too small <laughs> to They couldn't see you on the runway. It was nothing. They're like, who? And then the lady was like, you could do catalog. And I was like, that's a nice way to say where um, we could zoom in and yeah. really see who <laughs> Put you Put me are. on an Apple box. Yeah. It would be like a child modeling, even as an adult. Yeah, JC Penny, kids. Kids husky. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just not. Absolutely not. It was not great. <laughs> Those people are still in the mall. Those malls, they are, you know? yeah. It was a weird... The one thing I did take from that, though, is how to walk in high heels. Oh. It, yeah. it was. That's a life skill. It is a life skill, but the rest of it I was have, like... I don't have that life skill. And I wear... I don't wear heels, so it's, <laughs> it doesn't matter, but... <laughs> uh, what a skill. It was weird. So, was that your attempt to, like, get into the creative world? You're like, oh, this is something... Yeah, I thought, and when you are a kid, right, you think that that's, like, your big break. And in Utah, they filmed a lot of, like, Disney Channel movies there, so you kind of thought that, like, oh, this could do it, like, I'll, you know. But then I just realized after that, I was like, no, uh, no, 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 this, I'm not, I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't have that hustle. I I don't think I have that type of hustle, but, so I didn't know. So then when I went to college, I studied communication, science, and business. Cause I was like, wow, this will, I should focus this into something. So I chose business. Um, And when I graduated, I graduated early. And I was like, I don't know any like 19 year olds, or I I think it was 20. I don't know any 20 year olds with like a job. So I was like, I should probably go to school again. Um, So I applied and I I went to school in Idaho. And I was like, and it wasn't (laughs) BYU-Idaho. I know everyone thinks that it was not. I was like, well, I want to get out of here because I don't think this is for me. Idaho is not for me. Mm-hmm. And Utah also isn't. So I want to try something out. So I Googled school <laughs> <laughs> and um, ended up applying to Syracuse and Boston University and got into both, which I don't know how that happened. And then um, chose Syracuse and went for a year and got my master's. You have your master's? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, I got my master's because nice. I was too, I was like, so I was too young. Strategy. okay. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. Sorry. Cool. So you're way smarter than I thought. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was just too little. I was like, I don't think I was going to hire like a 20 year old, so I should go to college again. <laughs> That's what I should do. Cool. So where did, where did you go? Syracuse. Syracuse. Okay. So you're in New York. Yeah, like New York State, thing. upstate, yeah. Okay. Which was really nice. I liked Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And then when I graduated, I moved to New York and worked at Y&R. Yeah, and and known your as my first rodeo? What? That was your first rodeo? Yeah, that was at it. Y&R? Yeah. Very cool. It just walked in there. <laughs> <laughs> just said, hey, I'm a young child prodigy. <laughs> Hire me. I am a baby. Give me I'm- a job. <laughs> what? <laughs> So now that you've lived and worked, (laughs) I've lived. (laughs) Now that you've lived such a long life, what do you have to say at the end of... the end of my life? (laughs) Oh. So this podcast actually... I'm a ghost, apparently. (laughs) No. It's okay i haven't laughed in an episode this hard yet. i try to keep it like together because when i laugh i laugh very loud and so i have to just like i ask the questions that's what this is for this I'm is serious. a comedy podcast right <laughs> this is comedy bang bang no <laughs> this is serious documentary <laughs> this is very serious your oscar-winning podcast yeah, it's gonna get to that level. One day, we're gonna do a documentary on this podcast that will win. There an Oscar. we go. Yeah. I think podcasts will be in the Grammy soon. I give it That'd two years. Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. Start yeah. nominating me now. Yeah. Put it in the pro it's a really big thing. Anyone who's in the Grammy Voting Academy, creative hood. Yeah, just start following my Instagram. Thanks. Yeah, that'll help. <laughs> That's how people actually vote for Grammys now. They it's should. Depending on how many followers you have. They did. Well, this Instagram. last year, they did a... Um, they changed the voting. And that's why most of the nominees for, like, Album of the Year and stuff were way more diverse than they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. So it's actually pretty cool. Nice. So it's possible. Cool. <laughs> Get it in there. <laughs> and we're done dancing. Now that you've worked in two different industries, what are some differences... That you've seen? I think on a whole level and I'm I've tried to think about this in a way that's not it's not trying to be insulting to one industry or the other because they're both like really cool and interesting um I think in tv and I'm gonna try to s- put this in like layman's terms I guess as I know there's a lot more that goes into both industries but simplifying it as best I can I think in tv like on the production side you're your own client. Right, so, for us, it's like we're just trying to create the best show, the best Desus and Marrow show that represents them, and yes, we still have to please a network and whatever, but ultimately, like if we're doing what we're supposed to do in Desus and Marrow being themselves and the show is them, like it'll it it will be like it'll work, and I think in advertising, your client is your your actual client, like it's Pfizer, it's Campbell's, it's whoever, and your work goes into pleasing that client. Um, And so I think there's still clients in both sides, right? But I think, um, at least on the production side, it's like, okay, we're kind of insular. We're just working to create episode 136, episode 137, whatever, that represents us. And I think on the other side, it's like, okay, well, what do we do that represents like this particular brand? And then we do it again, but with a different client. So I think there's something that feels the creative forces are going towards this outside work. And it's always changing because it's a different client. Mm -hmm. Whereas ours is like always going to our same client, which is Mm -hmm. us. So using the proverbial us, it's (laughs) decent in (laughs) What kinds of skills would someone need for the job that you have? Um, in my, for my particular job, I think you need to be as organized as you can be, um, cause you're going to get a lot of things coming your way and you just kind of have to keep them in order. Um, I think just being personable because you have to talk to everybody and you have to work within departments and you don't, Especially my job, like I'm viewed sometimes as the no person because I'm the person's like, hey guys, we can't do that. But I don't want people to view me as someone who is their adversary, but someone who's like, okay, let's problem solve how we can do this better because we're all working towards the same goal. It just so happens that I have to be the one sometimes it's like, so funny story, we can't put them in that shirt because we need permission. (laughs) So like, I want to be the person's like, how can I help you get the things done that you can do? So- I think having that personality and in general in this business, you have to network a lot to get your next job. So, and you never know where that's going to come from. So always being personable is good. Um, And I think just, uh, if you read Tina Fey's bossy pants, she has this line about like, when she was looking to hire, you're looking to hire someone who you don't mind seeing at 2am after you've worked the whole day. And not that I, we're always at work at 2 a.m., but you're there for like sometimes 12 hours, like sometimes the days are so long and and people get grumpy or whatever, but you wanna try your best to be someone that someone's like, you know what, when this sucks, this person's still great. Like they're still there, you still wanna work with them, they're still trying to do their best and you know, we're all mm-hmm. in it. So I think that those are some some of the best skills, I think. Where would be a good place for someone to start? Um, i th- well, I think the first step is maybe just being a student of what you want to do as best as you can. so w- luckily, watching t v is really easy, <laughs> so and you don't have to watch everything. I think just like watch a variety of things and even just try like watch a pilot episode of something and just know what's going on um and then I think if you're looking for jobs, I think you just have to go where the jobs are. I'm not always going to say that you have to move to New York. You have to move to LA. You have to move to Atlanta or whatever to work in this industry, because obviously there's industries everywhere. Like Utah actually had a huge film industry. Um, if you could figure out how to get into it. So I think just look into in wherever you are about like, okay, what well, opportunities are here? Like, Maybe I could go intern at my local news station, or maybe there's student films being filmed here and I can just ask if I can go help or whatever. So try something like that, I think. And then I would say network, 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 network. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, meet, try to meet people like use, if you went to a university, use an alumni base because there's probably something somewhere and you already have the common connection of like, we went to the same school. Um, And honestly, just ask around. The reason I got my job is because I was hanging out with some friends and I was talking about how I was like, oh, I want to change jobs. And my friend Chantel was like, oh, to what? And I said, TV. And she goes, oh, that's funny. I used to teach and nanny for this woman who is a producer at The Daily Show. I can ask if you she you can talk to her and now she currently is a producer at full frontal samantha b but that's how i got that job was because she connected me she doesn't work in the industry at all she Mm -hmm. she's an educator but she just happened to like know this person and so if i hadn't been talking about it to my friend who hadn't have known that like that's how it happened i didn't meet it from someone who worked in the industry already Mm -hmm. so just by putting it out there, yeah, and I don't mean to be shy. crazy, yeah. Because <laughs> if you're already in a job, it kind of looks crazy to be like, "I'm looking for another job," very <laughs> openly. But I think, yeah, you know, With just those close people, yeah, <laughs> you know, putting it out there um, and seeing where you can go, and and if there's an opportunity to take classes too, like I took when I moved here, I went to Magnet and took some comedy writing classes. Um, just for fun and it was Mm -hmm. great like I learned a lot and made new friends but I didn't even know that that was a thing that you could do like you could just take classes on stuff like that and now there's master class you could do it at home on your computer so (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah there's all sorts of creative classes you can take yeah just in your spare time if you have any yeah (laughs) and I know you're very in tune with like politics and like topics yeah and things and you have strong opinions which is, why, <laughs> no, which is awesome and yeah. is amazing and you're going to change the world so, oh, thank you yeah and so does that play a role in the types of jobs you look for i think so well i would say first of all like TV people are some of the most well rounded conversationalists I've ever met. Like, some of the people that I have met, it's like you can talk about anything from, yeah, from like what was on TV last night, but also to like the space program. Like, I've had some crazy conversations and learned so much just from talking, just from this industry and just talking about stuff. And you would think that people would be like, I'm only into TV, but they're not. They're into a whole range of things. And that sounds so close-minded of me and naive because we're humans and obviously (laughs) we have multiple interests. but, um, But I think what I've learned is that like people... Like though, pop culture and politics and, and those things are kind of one in the same, especially now, right? How did we get the president we have now? He was a pop culture person. He had a reality TV show. Just let that sink in. <laughs> he had a reality TV show. But look at the Obamas now. They have deals with Netflix to make all kinds of films mm-hmm. and they're writing books. So right, these things are merging together, Um and so I think they're kind of one and the same and a lot of shows are doing topical stuff. Um every show that I've worked on has been somewhat topical. The rundown with Robin Thede was the most political show that I worked on because it was specific and it was specifically spoken uh focused on black culture and how like black culture ties into politics. And um so it was really interesting and you had to keep abreast of everything that was going on. And even now, even though De Sistema isn't the most political show, like sometimes we we will talk about politics, but we won't make it a point like John Oliver or something or The Daily Show, we still are reading the news, seeing what's going on um, and and discussing it. So I think it kind of just plays a role no matter what. And honestly, everything is political now, whether or not you mean it to be, because Mm -hmm. that's how we're creating things. Um, It is political to have a show that's headlined by two immigrant, two sons of immigrants. One is Dominican and one is Jamaican, you know, like that's, that in and of itself is political. So even if they're just like, oh, we're just two dudes, because that's something we're talking about. And their opinion as two people of color is relevant and different in this day and age. than it would have been like, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a different story that's told when other people are involved in Mm -hmm. the process. And it's just really important that at every level, it's just as diverse as it can be. So, and yeah, like when I said earlier, like when you think of directors, the people you list are straight white dudes. When you, sometimes even when you think of writers, like if you watch the Emmys Mm -hmm. and you'll just be like, it's all white dudes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but there needs to be, things change and like, there's an unlimited amount of stories that can be told, whether it's TV or advertising or lawyering or being a doctor, (laughs) like whatever, like it does matter that there's other people being represented. So like, we, yeah, get there. You can do it. it. Let me be your cheerleader, like get there. you can do it. And you can start where you are. I think that's a great piece of advice. Like in every city, there's some kind of market for what you wanna do even if it's not televised on Netflix or Hulu, you know, yeah, there's a chance for you to start filming something on your phone, start writing, start learning these basics of what can become a career yeah. at one point. And there's the internet now. So. There's the internet. <laughs> one time I was at a taping of, or maybe I saw a clip of it, of uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And he was like, this is our new intern. I found him on Twitter. Because he was, I guess, just, like, making jokes. So it's like, hey, man, it's possible. Like, if you... I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. That could be you. (laughs) Oh, Deezus and Meryl were Twitter guys. Like, they Mm -hmm. were really funny on Twitter. And that they were some of the first few, like, celebrities to come out of that world. And then that's how they got... And then they started a podcast together. But that's how it happened. Like, they were just online like some somebody wasn't they didn't go to like a casting agent and they were like give us a show like they were just funny online and Mm -hmm. now look at them (laughs) now they're on prime time (laughs) now they're they're on (laughs) premium cable yes very nice um anything else you want to say before I get to the final two questions uh no (laughs) (laughs) Angela, you're so <laughs> – she's really funny because she's like, I don't think I have anything to say, but she's like the most well-spoken person I've ever talked to. And so this is all oh, like great. Oh, thanks. You're going to hear this back and hear a lot of likes and ums. So we'll see how No, you won't because I'll edit those out. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Final two questions. Okay. How would you define creativity? Huh, okay. Lots of sighing because <laughs> these questions are hard. <laughs> I – So I think without a doubt, most people could say that the most creative forces in the world are children because they don't know any rules, so they don't live by any, and they're not afraid to fail, and they don't really care what they look like. They're just uninhibited. And we learn failure, and we learn rules, and we learn this structure we're supposed to be in. And I think think creativity is just being just so unafraid to fail spectacularly and see what comes from there. Because um, that's that's where the best stuff comes from. And I think just living in that world where it's like, hey, who made the rules? Let's just make our own. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it. And sometimes rules are the best way to work within that to come up with something Something else as well. There is a thing where, like, you learn the rules so you can break them. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Thank you. I'm sure Picasso (laughs) learned the rules first. Well, Lady Gaga, she went to Juilliard. She's a classically trained musician. But I think most people look at Lady Gaga and be like, she's very avant-garde, especially early, her early stuff. Mm -hmm. So she learned the rules, and then she broke them all. So I think, um, you can. yeah, you can always just... Go from there. <laughs> She's using a lot of hand gestures. Yeah. yeah. Every, which is great Go. for a podcast. Yeah, She's raising her <laughs> hands up above her head and extending them to the side. In a creative she, way. Yes. <laughs> let your creativity flow. <laughs> Just let it flow. I also think everyone's creative. I think it in some ways people don't think that they are, if they, especially if they work in maybe more analytical industries like data or medicine um but everyone is unique and has their own unique way that they move and breathe and exist in the world and that all automatically is creative so like if you're already doing it so just do what you do and then do it (laughs) do it now she's using hand gestures now i'm using hand gestures to guide you like a road. She's building a road in front of you and guiding you down and pushing you. I'm pushing you down the road of creativity. It's just so hard to talk about it because it's undefinable, so you have to use undefinable hand gestures. But this is a podcast, and so, so you can't see happens. them. Yeah. <laughs> I should have mimed this all. That would have been the worst episode ever. It's just silence. Yeah. As I ask questions and you respond and. It- you will just hear the wind of your hands moving around. Just gestures. That was very offensive. Uh, I can't believe you (laughs) said that to me. Can't control them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last question. What do you want to pass on to the next generation? Okay, I did think about this question. And both sets of my advice are from people who are not me. But my first set of advice is from the 2002 Disney Channel original movie, Gotta Kick It Up. And it is not Si Se Puede. Even though that is a great mantra to live by. It is this time when <laughs> the team... I love this already. This is already the best piece of advice ever. So. Like the team, I can't exactly remember what happened, but basically they're like, there's like a blowout and like the coach, Coach Bartlett goes home. And so Daisy, who's like the team captain, goes to her house and they're like having this conversation. And Coach Bartlett is like, look, like I've already failed. I don't want to fail you guys because I'm an adult and like it, whatever... And Daisy has this like impassioned speech and she like leans in and she's just like, every day I would wonder what would have happened. If... I can't even remember what she said of that. But then she said, I don't want to wonder, I want to know. So that's my first set of advice. Don't wonder, no. Like even if it sucked, at least you know. And then what if it was great? Then you know. But if you don't try, you don't know and you always regret it. So remember that movie, everybody. Yeah. Disney, is Yo, out, so Disney Plus is coming out so you can look here. it up. Oh, man, I'm so excited. We can that. rent it on Amazon for 2 dollars so
1: <laughs> it's nice. great.
0: My other piece of advice is from the goddess Marie Kondo. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought her book after a breakup, and I was, like, super vulnerable. So every time I read it, I was like, oh, my God, Like folding your clothes. And I don't know why, but it's just, like, an emotional journey. But... She has. She gets to this part where you're going through your clothes. You know how you buy things that you like, maybe splurged on it because you thought you were really gonna, you're gonna really be into hats or something, <laughs> and then you're like, no, why did I buy this? I'm a hat person now. I'm totally into elbow length gloves, <laughs> and so you bought like four pairs, and then you were like, oh no. <laughs> or she's like, oh, yeah. when you're going through your things, um, you shouldn't feel the guilt when you look at some stuff that you don't use anymore. You should look at it and say. Thank you for teaching me that I wasn't into this. And then so I would say that kind of goes with the don't wonder, don't like you should know. Um, because sometimes you should take experiences and like even if it wasn't the greatest experience, you can still say, I learned a lot. Thank you for teaching me that this isn't for me, and then moving on. Like for me, I spent two years at an ad agency that it didn't work for me. Um And I could look at that and be like, oh, I wasted my time. I wasted two years. I could have been somewhere else in my career. Like, I can't believe I did it. Um, But I don't want to do that because when you live with that regret, you think it invalidates all the choices you've made up until that point. And you shouldn't live that way. So instead, I want to look at that experience and say, thank you for teaching me that this isn't for me. And I can take the good and the bad with it and move on and move to something else that works for me. So just keep those two. Marie Kondo and gotta kick kick it up. up. Very well said. (laughs) Thank you. Quoting the greats of creativity. Only, yeah, only (laughs) quoting just the, (laughs) the pinnacle of creativity very nice well thank you so much once again a lovely podcast this one will actually be seen somewhere versus that four hour one that a dozen of us did years ago oh i think that's gonna resurface someday and we're gonna have to live with the consequences (laughs) yeah when we run for president that'll be the thing that comes out and we're like remember what you said about that movie (laughs) but no one has four hours (laughs) and also you'd have to listen through garbled Speech from someone across the room being like, Anyway, this is what I thought about. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> you <You're> never. never. <laughs> <laughs> Ice cute. So we'll just end this like that. Thank you, Anjali, for being on this <laughs> podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> it's been great. Oh, we'll it you fun. next fun. Oh, next time. Yeah. I'll be I'll here. Be. You're going to be a recurring guest. I've just decided it. Oh, that'll be fun. I'll have nothing new to say. It'll just be hand gestures. More, more quotes from movies, <laughs> more quotes from very obscure Dizzy Channel movies. Like the 2001 Disney Channel movie, Tiger Cruise. (laughs) And with that, goodbye. Thank you.